0: So um, we also want to pray for Ukraine, you know, what's been going on over there. And, and so um, today um, we are joining our vineyard churches in the U.K. and Ireland family um, to, all over the world in prayer and, and fasting for Ukraine. So we would encourage you to personally pray through these prayer points. And we're taking some time this Sunday to pray together for this unfolding situation. Go ahead and advance. The, there's some talking points up here. Um, Our politicians are predicting the biggest war in Europe since 1945, so let's cry out to you, God, that you would write another story in our time, that you would tear down evil schemes and give wisdom from heaven to peacemakers seeking a less violent way. We pray, O God, that you would rescue those who are vulnerable from the hands of their enemies, We pray, O Lord, for the church in Ukraine, a nation in which 70% of the population call themselves Christian. We pray that you would give them courage in this crisis, that they may proclaim the good news of the kingdom, bind up broken hearts, and bring comfort to all who mourn. We pray, God, that you would save the lives of many people in Ukraine, bringing redemption by drawing many people to yourself. We ask you, God, to deliver Ukraine from evil. May you have mercy and heal this land. May you give Ukraine peace and the chance to develop as a nation that values truth, justice, and freedom, all rooted in your goodness. Finally, we pray for the Vineyard church plants and those who are part of our global Vineyard family who live in Ukraine. We pray for Wide Awake International, which works with many Vineyard churches, and the children they serve through this organization. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers for Ukraine. So now as Pastor Beth comes up to deliver the word, Lord, we just uh, come before you, Father, and we pray for ears to hear and hearts to understand. Please anoint Beth's words as you give them to her. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: amen. Amen. Thank you, Tim. We could pray. We're going to keep on praying for what's going on around the world. It's important. This morning, though, we're going to go back 2,000 years or so to Pentecost. We're going to read, we're going to jump right into the Word and read one of the most exciting and probably you could argue the most impo- one of the most important passages of all of Scripture, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out at Pentecost. So we're going to just start in Acts 2, we're just going to jump in. It's kind of a long passage, so some of you might want to have it on your own phone or read it in your Bibles, it will be up on the screen, um, but we're going to start and we're going to do chapter, verses 1 to 21, all right? So I'm going to just read it out to you, listen to this, to this event, what God did um, through this incredible uh, moment in our church and in the history of the church, the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Lydia, Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Amen. What a word. What a word. We're in this series called Extraordinary Life Together, the church in the book of Acts, and this is the moment. This is the big party. This is the opening ceremonies with the, with the uh, you know, fireworks. This is, this is it. When the church was, was born by the coming of the Holy Spirit, it, without the Holy Spirit, it, there's no church No church. We would not exist here without the Holy Spirit. And, you know, you can have the most beautiful building and you can have all the great singers and all the good speakers and all the good programs, but without the Holy Spirit, it's not church. Maybe some of you have been to churches like that. They look great. Everything's perfect, but it seems like the Holy Spirit's left the building. May it never be. May it never be. I'd rather it didn't look so perfect all the time, <laughs> and we don't look perfect all the time, as you can see with our scaffolding up. We don't look perfect all the time, but I want the Holy Spirit to be here. If the Holy Spirit's here, that's, that's what's important. We need to be a church that's filled, led, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the church. That's the church. So I want to talk about three things about Pentecost uh, this morning. The first thing is that the Holy Spirit's coming was God's plan. Okay? The Holy Spirit didn't just you know, come into existence suddenly at this moment of Pentecost. All right? The Holy Spirit's been around forever. He is, he is God, one of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's here from everlasting to everlasting. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters at creation. So the Holy Spirit's always been around, and he's always been at work. Even in the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit at work but he worked in different ways he he mostly came upon people in situations for specific situations and so you see that in the scripture if you go in the old testament you see joseph getting supernatural knowledge from the spirit of god about pharaoh's dreams in genesis 41 pharaoh even says can we find anyone like this man one in whom is the spirit of god so Joseph, filled with the Spirit. Bezalel, it says, was filled with the Spirit of God to have all kinds of skill in gold and silver and working with bronze and so on. We have David, who was anointed to be king in 1 Samuel 16, 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers and from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So the Spirit came on David to be the king of Israel. And then on Moses and the elders, the Spirit, it says, came upon them in Numbers to prophesy and lead the people. So, so the Holy Spirit was, was available and would come on people, but at the day of Pentecost, the way the Holy Spirit was going to show up in the world completely changed. Now anyone who called on the name of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior would receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everyone. Amen. Everyone. The Holy Spirit became the dominant reality in God's church? Is he the dominant reality here? Is he the dominant reality here? And, you know, this was prophesied. Peter, in the sermon, uh, we just read a piece of, it goes on for quite some time, but the piece of, he, he quotes from Joel, right, that says, in the last days, God will, says, I will pour out my spirit on all, on all people. We see the same message given in Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. I, it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This was prophesied from the beginning. This, this, God knew this was going to happen, <laughs> that he was going to thro- pour his spirit upon people. And I, you know, sometimes ask, I why? You know, why then? Why, why didn't he pour out a spirit like that ahead of time? You know, why, why just at that moment of Pentecost? And uh, I don't pretend to understand all the reasonings of God's timing and why he does what he does. But it's significant that this is how he wanted to birth his church. Remember, this is 50 days after the, the resurrection of Jesus. We talked about that last week, that kind of empty space between the resurrection and Pentecost. And in that space, he was saying, this is what my church is going to be like. It's going to be based on the, on, the, on the resurrection of Jesus. That's what it's going to be all about, spreading that gospel. And I'm going to give the church a commission to go out and speak about that gospel and tell others about me. And I think Jesus knew we were going to need a little help to do that because you and I aren't good enough to do that very well on our own. And so he said, I'm going to send my helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you, every one of us. And so every one of us this morning, if we know Jesus, have received the Holy Spirit, and we can be filled with the Spirit. Somebody say, fill with the Spirit. Fill. fill with the Spirit. We're going to be filled with the Spirit. We want to be filled. And so I want to plant a question in your mind now that I hope we answer by the end, is that what would our church look like if we were... Spirit filled, spirit led, spirit empowered at Gate City Vineyard. What would that look like? So we go to my next point about for, that we want to pull out of Pentecost, which is that the Spirit is for all people. How do we become a spirit filled church? Well, we have to be spirit filled people. God fills people, not things somebody tries to sell you a a handkerchief that's been prayed over and anointed and you can put it on your knee and it'll heal you, I would say save your money. (laughs) I don't know what that's all about, but God doesn't fill inanimate objects. He fills people with his presence. Now, sometimes God also fills, his spirit fills a place. Not often, but there's this, there's, in scripture, you can find places where they talk about the spirit of God filling the place. In Exodus 40, after Moses and the people had built the tabernacle, um, it says this, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So that was likely a manifestation of the spirit of God, that the glory of God filled the place. That's why sometimes we will come into church and we'll say, Lord, fill this place. Fill this place with your presence, Lord, with your glory, okay? That's a, that's a good prayer, right? And, and that God could fill this place. But let me just say this. Don't come to church just to come into the presence of God and let it hover all over you like a cloud, okay? Some of us like that, right? We would like to come into church. It feels good to have the spirit. We can feel the spirit. We can feel the presence. You know, it's really nice. But we wonder why when we go home, it seems like it all just dissipates away, and we're back to whatever we ever did before. We, we don't, that doesn't carry with us. Why? Because we're not supposed to just like let it sit around us like a cloud. We're supposed to let the Holy Spirit fill us. Okay? If the Spirit's here, awesome. But for you, He wants to fill you. He wants you to come in this place and be filled with the Spirit of God and go out and bring Him with you. He's with you. And so... We want to be part of that, and so let's start with a very basic question, and the question is, do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Amen. Weirdly enough, that is a slightly controversial question, as <laughs> everything in Christianity, if we can make it complicated. Um, you know, some people would say, well, you know, you get saved, but you need to have an extra Baptism of the Spirit, and that way, you know, now you have the Spirit. And some churches and traditions will say, and you have to show some evidence of that, speaking in tongues, to show that you have the Spirit of God in, in you. And I don't want to, you know, downplay any other denominations or or, um, or churches, but this is not the position of vine- of the Vineyard or of Gate City Vineyard, and I don't think it's biblical either, because I think the Bible is very clear that when you come to faith in Christ, if you have put your trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, the Holy Spirit is comes inside of you. You receive the Holy Spirit. You have it from that moment. I'm going to give you some scriptures about that. Romans 8, 9. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So if you belong to Christ, it's only by the Spirit of Christ. You, you can't come to him apart from the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, when you were in, in Christ, when you believed in Christ. In Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent, He's, this is part of that same uh, sermon of Peter's actually, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will what? Receive, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you are sitting here this morning and you have accepted Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, the Holy Spirit is within you. And you don't get just a little piece of the Holy Spirit, like, yeah, well, I've just got a little bit, and he's, this person's got more, and I've got a little bit. No, no, the Holy Spirit's a person. You can't split them into pieces. It's like, you know, you can't be half pregnant. <laughs> you've, either, you've either got a baby in there, or you don't got a baby in there. You know, it's one or the other. You either have the Holy Spirit or you don't. You have the whole Holy Spirit in you. But it's funny. We can have the Holy Spirit in us, and it, you have the Holy Spirit in you, whether you feel it or not, whether you had a big experience of the, the Holy Spirit or not, whether you speak in tongues or not, whether you are living according to the Spirit and waking up every day and asking the Spirit to work in you, or whether you're completely ignoring the Spirit, you still have the Holy Spirit. But I think of it a little bit like um, my sister's house. She had a house, an old house. Any, anybody that lives in an old house knows that house, old houses make noises. There's always like all these creakings, and you always think someone's in the upstairs or someone's here, you know, because it's, it's, it's a little freaks you out. So my sister used to say, anytime she'd hear a funny noise, she'd say, oh, that's just the family that lives in the attic. <laughs> and um, I used to think, that makes me more creeped out. I don't know, like, it's <laughs> just the thought of maybe there's somebody in my attic. But she, that just made her feel better. She just said, that's just family and live in the attic. And sometimes I wonder, is the Holy Spirit just kind of living in your attic? He you makes some noises now and then but you haven't let him into the whole house to just be part of the whole household. So this leads us to being filled with the Spirit, being filled and empowered with the Spirit. See, Scripture also is pretty clear that that we are to be filled with the Spirit. And that's not necessarily something that happens the moment that you are saved, you receive the Holy Spirit, but have we allowed him to come out of the attic and come fill the house? come into all of our life this is the filling and empowering of the holy spirit all four gospels talk about it like a baptism all four gospels have john saying i baptize you with water but jesus will baptize you with the holy spirit and fire some a couple of them say with and fire And so John, if we think about John, John's ministry is a prophetic one. He is baptizing people in water as a representation of what Jesus is gonna do with the Holy Spirit. And if you look at the word baptize, what does that mean? It means to fill, to, to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, to wash, to soak, to drench, and I love this one, even overwhelm. That's a baptism. That's what Jesus wants to do with us. He wants us to be dipped and immersed and soaked and filled and even overwhelmed with the presence of his spirit within us as he fills us with his presence. That is what he desires for every one of us. So it is possible to be a Christian, to believe in Jesus for your salvation, and not walk in that to not walk in that filling, to not walk in that drenching of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, a passage from 1 Corinthians 3 that I think speaks to this. Paul is speaking to the the people of Corinthians, and he says this, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. I think this is such an interesting passage, because he's calling them brothers and sisters. They're Christians, because you're not living in the Spirit. So that's that, it's that possibility of just living with that kind of keeping, keeping the Spirit up in the attic. You know, we're just, just going to live this Christian thing, but I'm not going to rely on the Spirit. Not only that, Ephesians talks about that we need to keep being filled by the Spirit, uh, that it's a continuous process. I had a pastor who used to say, we're leaky vessels. So we get filled up, but we leak. <laughs> so we get filled with the Spirit, and it kind of leaks out. We've got to get filled up again. Ephesians says this, Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, but instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that word be filled isn't just do it once and done, but it's keep on being filled, continuous. Be filled and keep on being filled over and over and ever again. Be filled with the Spirit. The last interesting example of this, I think, is the apostles. Okay? Even the apostles, the great apostles, needed refilling, And I think this is fascinating. This is in in Acts 4, okay? Keep in mind, this is just two chapters after Pentecost, all right? And it says that Peter and John came back. um, They came back to the believers in Jerusalem after they had been getting arrested and and going through all sorts of troubles, and it says they got refilled. Let me me read it to you. Acts 4.31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting were shaken, and they were all filled, again, (laughs) with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You would not think they would need more refilling just two chapters after Pentecost, right? I mean, they had the tongues of fire, they had the wind, they had all of that, and yet two chapters later, they're getting filled up again. We need to keep being filled. This is a cry, a cry that you will hear across many of your churches, and the cry is this, it's more, Lord, more, more. Give us more, God, of your spirit. We want more. Whether we've never experienced a filling of the Spirit or whether we've walked in in the Spirit for a long time, we still cry out more. Say more. More. We want more, God, of you. We want more, Lord. More. More of you. Even the great apostles needed more. Two chapters right after Pentecost. So what does this mean for us? It means, first of all, that if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit in, in you. You have received the Holy Spirit all that you need. You are born into the kingdom of God, and it also means that if you've never come to faith in Jesus, if you've never asked him into your heart, you can ask him into your heart today, and not only will you have your sins forgiven and a place in heaven and, and a you know a, be a new a child of God, you will also receive the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a lot for one, one little prayer, but that's what God does when we come to him, and you can do that today. that can be your reality, to, be, to receive the Holy Spirit. But the second thing we need to know is that some of us may have a second sort of filling, an additional experience. Theologians like to call this a crisis experience, a crisis experience with the Holy Spirit, a uh, sudden filling or release. Some people will call that a baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's when we realize, it's not that we didn't have the Holy Spirit before, but we realize, I never have allowed the Spirit to fill me. I've kept him in the attic, I've, I've held off, I'm afraid, I don't want to release. And we yield to the Holy Spirit that's within us, and he fills us with his presence. And that is something available to all of us. And for some of us, those moments will bring great moments of, of peace or joy. Sometimes it will be accompanied by speaking in tongues or some other kind of manifestation. Sometimes it's just a sense of God being present, but God wants to fill us we all can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can remember in college, we were, Paul and I were part of a charismatic church which was always praying for the filling of the Holy Spirit and, and especially they, they were a, a church that felt you needed to have the gift of tongues. they were always pressing, you know, are you speaking in tongues? Are you speaking in tongues? I, I hated all that stuff. I didn't like pressure. You know, I do not want to be told what to do. And, so, uh, and I also knew my scripture well enough at that point to know I have the Holy Spirit. I'm a Christian. So I knew I had the Holy Spirit. So I didn't like all this pushy pressure on me but I also knew I wanted more I just knew I wasn't quite getting it all like I just knew I wanted more of the Holy Spirit I didn't know what that meant but I just knew I needed more and so I just remember getting on the floor of my dorm room I made sure my roommate was gonna be out and I got on, on my face on the floor and I was like God I want more of you I just Holy Spirit I just I, I just yield myself to you And I just remember just waves of the Holy Spirit just pouring over me, just joy and laughter and peace and just just his presence was there. Did I have the Holy Spirit before that moment? Yes, I was a Christian. The Holy Spirit was there. But had I yielded myself more fully and and I had kind of a first experience of being filled with the Spirit? Yes, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. John Wimber likes to to put it this way. When he'd pray with someone, he would say, I ask if they're born again and if they've received the Spirit when they receive Christ, and if they answer yes, I tell them that all that remains is that for them to actualize that which the Spirit has for them. I thought that was an interesting way of putting it. Actualize that which the Spirit has for them and to release the gifts, and then I lay hands on them and I pray. It's an actualization. What's already within you, it's there. It's there. And I think that this morning, some of you are sitting there and you are believers. Maybe you've been a believer a long time and you're sitting there and the Holy Spirit is there with you. But have you, have you yielded to him to fill you to overflowing, to submerge and soak and wash and overwhelm you with his presence? Have we said, yes, God, I want more, more, more of you. And either way, whether we have had that experience or got to have it for the first time, or I've had it many times. We have to keep on being filled. As Ephesians says, keep on being filled. We're leaky vessels. It's not a one and done. He wants to keep on dipping and immersing and soaking and, and overwhelming you with his presence, and he will over and over again as we let him. And this is how part of how we grow in our faith, how we're sanctified, how we're made holy before God, how we begin to walk. Like him and walk with him and commune with him. This is, this is how it works. And only by the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no walk of faith. Amen. There's no walk of faith. There's no church and there's no walk of faith without the Holy Spirit. Last thing I'll say about the Holy Spirit is that you'll know it when it comes. Um, people like to say, you know, how will I know when I'm in love? And what do all those old people say? You'll know You'll just know. And that's a really annoying answer, isn't it? If you haven't been in love, until you fall in love. And then you go, oh, now I get it. Right? Once you fall in love, you know. And I really feel like it's that way with the Holy Spirit. Once you have, rec- you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, you will know. You will know. And for some people, it's very dramatic. And some people, it's not dramatic at all but you know that the Holy Spirit is with you, that he's filling you, that he's working in your life. It was very clear when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, it came with fire. Fire is a sign of power and also of purification. Sometimes there's a purification that comes, repentance and laying down things that we've been holding on to God before God and the Spirit moves in us and there's a purification that goes on. Sometimes a deliverance from things that have been holding us down, a loosing. He also is a sign that there was also rushing wind, another sign of power, and here's what this, the wind is a sign of, which us control freaks don't like. Unpredictability. The wind comes and goes wherever it pleases, right? That Scripture says. And for those of us that like everything buttoned up in control, we don't like this idea. <laughs> we don't like the fact that when we yield to the Holy Spirit, guess who's in charge? Guess who's in control? It's not you anymore. It's the Holy Spirit. There was also speaking in tongues, um, showing the power of God. What's so interesting about this is this was not any ordinary prayer language. This was people all could hear them speaking in their own language. All those people from different countries could hear their own language. And I love that right here at the start of God's church, there's a statement. This is a statement about the universality of God's word and about unity in our diversity. He didn't speak in one language that everyone understood. No, he spoke in all their, all of them heard it in their own language. He maintained their diversity, but there was unity in it because the Holy Spirit was going to be speaking through. I love that. That's right there at Pentecost. Right there. They thought they had too much wine. That's how crazy it all looked to people, what was happening. Have we resisted the Holy Spirit because we're afraid of losing control? Because it just feels a little, little out there. Maybe some of you have had experiences in churches where it was out of control, where there was a lot of chaos in the, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And that's not right either. God is a God of control, He's a God of order. And so we want to avoid those excesses. We're going to remain biblically sound. We're the, we're the radical middle here at, in, in, in the vineyard. But let me also say this God will not be controlled. He will not be controlled. He is a, a rushing wind and a purifying fire. He's a power beyond all of our imaginings. And so when we want him to fill us, we have to be able to say, your way, God. Your way. I'm not going to be in control anymore. I want it to be your way. I like the way A.W. Tozer puts this. I never met a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit and didn't know it work of the Holy Spirit is unmistakable. If you're not sure that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then probably you need to ask for it because you'll know. And so now I come back to the question I asked at the beginning. How would we know if we were a spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-empowered church here at Gate City Vineyard? What are some of the things we should be looking for? And I went through the book of Acts to say, what are some of the things you see in the early church that were evidence that they were, they were a spirit-led, spirit-filled people And certainly, you do see supernatural signs. You see the gift of tongues. You see healing. You see prophecy. You see words of knowledge and wisdom. You see all of that coming through when the Holy Spirit of God comes. We should expect the supernatural. Let's not be afraid of it because of excesses. Let us say, Lord, give us gifts of healing and gifts of prophecy and of words of knowledge and of healing. Lord, we ask for that. We want that. It's a beautiful thing. But that's not the only thing that the Holy Spirit brought to the early church. Some churches get too caught up on that. That's the only thing that shows you that a church has got the Holy Spirit. No, there's many other things. For example, in Acts 4.31, it says, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God, what? Boldly. Boldly. So boldness and excitement to talk about Jesus I want to see that, I want to see us just, we can't wait to get out and talk to people about what God has done in our lives. There's a boldness about it, an excitement about talking about what God has done in our lives. We also see guidance from the Holy Spirit, Acts 13:2. when they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So they were worshiping and the Holy Spirit gave them direction and guidance, how many of us wonder what we should do next? We wonder as a church, what do we do next? As, boor- as a board, we're going to rely on the Holy Spirit. They say, God, we, we want your guidance. Sometimes he speaks to us through the word. Sometimes it's through a word. But we're going to seek the Holy Spirit first for guidance. I love this one. The other thing, another thing we see in the early church as an as evidence of the Holy Spirit is unexplainable joy. And they were going through it, people. They were not having a happy time. They had trials and persecutions and problems. And yet, and so this is great. This is Acts 13 52. This is right after Paul and Barnabas were heavily persecuted in Galatia. Just went through, just went through hell and back in Galatia. And what does it say in Acts thirteen fifty two? And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Filled with joy. That, that's not natural, <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit. You're going through it right now in your life. It's natural to be upset and to be sad and to be distressed, but the Holy Spirit can fill you and bring you joy even in the midst of your distresses and sorrows. That's real. And finally, there's an encouragement and growth in the church. Acts 9.31 says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and increased in numbers. At the end of the day, I will know the Holy Spirit is Lord in this church when we start to see people come to know Jesus, when we start to see each one of us growing and being discipled in our faith and growing closer to God and then going out into the world and serving and helping people and talking about Jesus and, and making disciples who we'll then go on and make disciples who we'll make disciples. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. He wants to do that here. Amen. He wants to do that here. He loves this church and he wants to do that here. A friend of mine, um, Professor Rob Walborn, who is a longtime uh, Alliance pastor, and also professor at the Alliance Theological Seminary, gave this list. And I like this list. This is evidences of what he sees when the Holy Spirit is present. And it's just a great list intimacy with God, particularly in worship, love beyond reason. This is what the Holy Spirit brings. Joy, unspeakable, indescribable peace, a zeal for holiness, boldness in evangelism, spiritual power and authority, a release of spiritual gifts, and the fruit of the Spirit. Let's sign up for some of that. (laughs) The Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit brings that. The Holy Spirit wants to pour over you and me this morning like water. He wants to drench you and immerse you and soak you and overwhelm you with His presence like water. And we need to release it, we need to open up our hearts to it. Simon Ponsonby, uh has a book on the Holy Spirit called God Inside Out. Recommended to me actually by many Vineyard pastors. And he says this, we're going to ask, we want to ask for a release of the spirit. The powerful presence of God needs to be let loose. The giant needs to awake. I need to let him be God, be the spirit, blowing where, when, and as he wills. I need more. Let's let him out of the attic. Let's let the giant awake within us. Let's allow a release of the Holy Spirit within our own souls. And so I want us to take some time today. We're going to have an opportunity, and I want an opportunity for every one of you who wants to be prayed over to, to, to be filled with the Spirit. But before we do that, I want us to just take a moment, and I want us to just just sit with what you've just heard and to let the desire grow in you, a longing for more, that prayer, more, Lord, more, to let it just build within you that you, you want more, you know you need more. That you would allow the Holy Spirit of God to come like water on you. I went on a retreat this past week, a, a personal retreat day up at St. Francis Prayer Springs. It's something I like to do about once a month. I go up for the day, pay 25 bucks, have a great meal, and you get used to the whole grounds. And it's a gorgeous place to just be with the Lord. And I was up there, and um, uh, there's a it was a beautiful brook, and uh, it was a little swollen, you know, from the winter rains and so on. And so uh, it was just rushing. And so I took a little video of it. I'm going to ask our um, media people, if you'd just go ahead and play the video. And I would like us to just take a moment right now. Just bow your head if that helps you. Stand if that helps you. Kneel if that helps you. To just ask God for more. We want more, God flow over us like this river, Lord. Fill us. If you want more of God this morning, I invite you to come forward and to be prayed for, just to come in this front area, and we're going to have the elders here available and, and myself to come pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit, whether you've never experienced that, whether you've experienced it a million times, but your cry is just more, I invite you to come forward, be filled with the Spirit, thank you.